Amen. Welcome to Church on the Hill. We're so glad you're here. Amen. God's so good, isn't he? All the time. Well, I keep saying this each week, and I'm going to probably continue for a while. You are here for a reason. It, is not, it has not shocked God that you're here. God's not shocked, and the building did not fall down when you walked in. Tell me, that sounds like such a foreign thing to those of you that have been coming, but people really think that, that the church would fall in if I walked in the door. Well, let me encourage you, because I can walk in, you can walk in. It didn't fall in when I walked in, and if it was going to, it would be me. But you're here on purpose. There's some reason. God has a reason for you being here today. You may be here just by complete coincidence, which I don't believe in. You may be here just because you thought, you know what, we've never tried that church, let's go try that today, or someone invited you. But God knew before you were created that you would be here today. God knows you. Can I give you a little bit of a word? God knows you. And he, he's, he's got a lot of thoughts towards you. But you're here for a reason. It's not by some coincidence. And you know, at as we, as we continue to, to walk forward, if you've been coming to this church or maybe you haven't, maybe you've come to this point in your life, maybe you've learned, you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you've been serving him for a while, maybe it's a brand new thing, maybe you've never been to church, you've never heard about Jesus. But I believe a question that everyone asks themselves is what's my next move? Have you ever been in your job and just think, man, this just isn't working? This, this just doesn't work. Or maybe, maybe you're in your marriage and you're just thinking, man, this isn't working. Or maybe you've got relationships and you just have that moment, this just isn't working. What's my next move? How do I move forward? Or where do I go from here? Because this can't be everything. This can't be all of it. Have you ever sat in church and just felt, God, there's got to be more to church than this? There's got to be more. And I will tell you, in my walk with Christ, in my walk in my marriage, in my family, in my relationships, in my jobs, I have this question come up a lot. What's my next move? Because you know what? We get to where we think our arrival is and we realize, oh, I haven't arrived. There's, there's more. I have to get up tomorrow. But what's my next move? And I want to give you a scripture I gave you last week. It says in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. I want you to know, regardless of where you are in the stages of your life, God has something new for you. He has something new for you. And you may relate to this, this second part of the scripture. Yeah, I feel like I'm in the wilderness or I feel like I'm in the dry wasteland. Well, I want to tell you, it doesn't say that God's going to drop a helicopter in and grab you up like those games that you put a dollar in and it goes and grab, you try to grab the, grab the toy, but it never grabs it. Have you ever felt like God may be trying to grab you, but it always gets dropped and you lose your dollar? God, you missed me. You know, those little minions or whatever those things are from a toy story. But God says... I'm going to give you a pathway through the wilderness. 
because you have something to gain from, from your time in the wilderness. There's something to learn. There's some way to grow. You've got some overcoming to do, and it's going to be done through God, through the wilderness. You're not just going to be leapt up out of your problems. No, we're called to go through our problems. But it also says maybe you're in a dry wasteland. God says, I will create rivers in that wasteland. What are you going through? I can reach you where you are. God says, I can reach you. You think you can't be reached? God says, I can. I can make a way for you. God is wanting to do something new in you. The whole idea of this, of where we are today with Acclimate is so that you can grab hold of the vision of this church, of Church on the Hill. Acclimate means to become accustomed to a new climate or to new conditions. You know, this should be a word that we use regularly because things change. Do you know that in Scripture it says that we go from glory to glory? It's not just you get saved and things change. No, you get saved and things change every day. I get up and there is something new for me to adjust to every single day, whether it's in my work or in my relationships or with my children or, or at the church. There is something new every day. And, but I want you to know that it is the, the main vision of this church is to pr provide a place that people can connect to Jesus. Whether it's that first time or whether it's, you know, I've been, I've been saved since I was five and I still need a safe place to connect to Jesus. So no matter where you are with your walk, that this be a safe place to connect. That this be a place that accepts the sinner, a place that restores the broken and a place of rehabilitation and healing. But to sum it up, a place for the lost and hurting to find hope. Hope for something better. Hope for a better marriage. Hope for a better relationship with your children. Hope for your job. Hope for your future. But once you receive hope, once we kind of get that challenge behind you and you realize I can press forward, that you find your purpose. We saw last week that you have a purpose. God has a plan for you a specific plan, a specific purpose, not something that you've got to go search for your whole life and hope you find a needle in the haystack. God wants to give that purpose to you clearly. He doesn't make it hard that we have to go search and search and search and search and maybe stumble upon it. No, he wants to give it to you clearly. And today's uh, sermon is about how one way to find that clear pathway to what your purpose is. Hebrews chapter 10. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. The reason I want you to turn to it is because I'm going to refer to verse 25 or verse 26 uh, later in my sermon, but I'm not going to put it back up on the screen for you. Hebrews chapter 10. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Verse 26, this is the one we're going to have to go back to. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I just ask right now that you just speak directly to our hearts. We are here to receive from you.
And Lord, I just speak against a spirit of knowing everything. A spirit of not asking for help. I just come against that. Thinking that we can do all this on our own. Because we can't. And it is a deception of Satan to make us think that we can't. Lord, I just ask you, Holy Spirit, the teacher to teach us today and let us receive. We just love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So from Hebrews chapter, chapter 10, verse 24, it says, let us consider one another. It says for us to consider one another from the point of view that we can bring out the best in each other. So many people are shut off to the prison of self. And the basic problem is self-centeredness. I have never met a self-centered person who was truly happy and who truly enjoyed peace. The fact is, the more you concentrate on yourself, the more you worry about yourself and seek to please yourself, the more problems you're going to have. Now, today's sermon is not about worry, but I want to ask you a question. What good has worry ever done you? None. All it does is hurt you. All it does is hurt you. Scripture even says, don't worry. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today's tough enough. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will show up with bells and whistles. It will show up. You don't have to worry. It will be here. And God's grace is sufficient for you. When you get to tomorrow, if you're walking with the Lord, you will be able to handle it. So don't worry. You know what worry does? Worry causes your hair to fall out. Causes it to turn gray. It causes you to get sick. Mentally and physically. It affects your environment. It infects your family. It infects your work. It infects everyone. So don't do it. It's a command. Those of you that struggle with worry, stop. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. When worry starts coming out of your mouth, stop and let joy come out of your mouth. Let praise come out of your mouth. That worry will flee. Put on the garments of praise for the spirit of happiness. You got to put it on. Okay, that was free. So, we've got to be careful that we don't concentrate on ourselves. We must be released first from this spirit, this prison of self-centeredness. And one way to do that is to stop worrying. Stop caring for yourself all the time. Stop fighting for yourself. Instead, consider each other. Let us consider one another. And in Philippians chapter 2, Paul gives us a great example. And that example is Jesus. He says in Philippians chapter 2 verse 3, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. This is the exact opposite of self-centeredness, of looking out for your own personal interest. The release is to look out for the interest of others, to be more concerned about others 
than yourself. Paul continues on, verse 5. Talking about uh, having the same, following the example of Christ. Have this attitude in yourself, in yourselves, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form, taking the form of a bondservant. Now, I've said this a few times, but I, I hope it can sink in with you today. That our attitude affects our approach. And I want you to think about your approach, maybe like with tennis. Um, you've, got to, you've got to move your body to get into position for the ball that's coming to you. You can't stand in one place and hope you can reach all ends of the court. You've got to move. And if your attitude is bad getting to that approach, you're going to drag, you're going to fuss, you're going to want meander around, and the ball's going to zing right by you. Anybody's ever played tennis? Your attitude affects your approach. If my attitude is that I can return this ball or the problem that I'm facing, maybe with, with my wife, let me just use Elizabeth and me, and we've got a challenge in front of us, whether it's a financial challenge or just a relationship challenge or we're not connecting, my attitude affects how things are going to go when we sit down to talk about these issues. If my attitude is bad, it's not, our situation's not going to improve, it's going to get worse. I'm going to pull further apart and probably cause her to pull further apart. Now we've really got a problem. We didn't even have that problem. We had this other problem. Now we've got more problems. But if my attitude is for her, is considering her, is thinking about what, what she's bringing to the table and why there's a problem on her side, not just mine, we might have the ability to get, get through it. My attitude affects my approach and my approach determines my outcome. My attitude affects my approach. My approach determines my outcome. If we go back to the tennis analogy, if I don't get to the place to hit the ball, I'm not going to return the ball back. So if I don't come to the place of, of genuine considering her in a relationship challenge, my ability to return the ball back successfully is almost zero. I don't want to say it's almost zero. I think it's completely zero. So, what does the attitude say? What does he say the attitude is? It says, have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus. What is Paul ultimately saying here? Follow Jesus. Let's take the perfect example and let's follow him. And what was that attitude? In the Greek, it literally means a slave. Jesus, who was Lord of all, emptied himself of everything and was willing to become a servant, a bondservant, a slave. Now, if anyone was ever entitled, entitled to themselves, it was Christ. He was God in the flesh, never sinned, never made a mistake. If anyone deserved the right to stand up and say, I've done everything right, look at me. It was Jesus, and it was Jesus that gave all of that up to serve us, to serve the Father and to serve man, the King. Unfortunately, we live in a day where everyone is entitled to their right, 
And what they don't realize is they don't want, they don't really want what they deserve. They just think they do. They think they deserve something and they don't. Believe me, I do not want what I deserve. That's a scary thought for me to ever think that I get to that point where I I want what I deserve because I don't want that. Um, I'm going to, I'm not going to say that. It's a dangerous thing to go with no filter and I'm not going to go with no filter. Yeah. My wife's like, So, we've, we've got to take on what Christ did. And, I wanna, and if you realize, when you walk into a room, look at that other person as the most important person in the room, not you. Because you're not. You're not. Okay, so let's look at a good parallel scripture to this Philippians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 says, For you were called to freedom, brethren, only don't turn your freedom in an opportunity for the flesh. What's that saying? Don't use this gift of God and go screw it up doing your own thing. How many of you know, how many of you have ever, let me me use this example. How many of you have been knee deep in debt, you're just covered up, can't see the light of day, but you get a a tax check for $1,000 and you go blow it on something stupid. Oh, well, that, that hit. <laughs> now, many of you have got a check coming back. Take that blessing and get yourself out of the hole. Amen. Improve your situation. And that's what he's saying here. Take the freedom, but don't lose, use it on dumb stuff. Don't go out here and squander it. It's not why I've given it to you, the Lord says. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I believe what he's saying is if you will take my gift and use it in the right way, I'm gonna bless you so much, you're not gonna be able to take it. But if you go out here and squander it, that's all you get. That's all you get. Don't do that. Sow that freedom into one another. Man, my mind's about to explode. I'm sitting here just thinking about marriage and if we'll just sow into each other, we're gonna have a wonderful marriage. And that's me. That's, that's what I need to do. I need to sow into people, sow into, into my kids, sow into my church and into my work and consider everyone else the most important person in the room because they are. The way not to indulge in our fleshly nature, not to yield to selfishness, not to be locked in the prison of self is to look at others. Through love, through love, serve one another. That's what the Holy Spirit is telling the church today. But so many people talk about serving the Lord but don't serve each other. Over the next two weeks, as we begin to wrap this series up, I'm going to give you an acronym from the word significant. And I believe that we are going to fulfill the purpose of hope, the, the, the vision of hope and purpose through being significant, through making a significant impact in people's lives, in marriages, in families, in our community, in our children, 
in our senior adults. You know, we've changed the name of our ushers and our greeters to impact team because it's so much more than helping you find a seat or handing you a bulletin. We want to impact your life. The church in my life has so impacted my life. I'm gonna share that with you in just a moment. But we want to be an impacting force in your life for Christ. The first part of the SIG of significant is serving. But through love, serve one another. I want to ask you, can we really serve the Lord and not serve each other? You know what it says, if you do this for another, you do it for me. If you don't do it for another, you don't do it for me. Do you know that's what the Lord says? That when we don't serve each other, we are not serving God. The Lord comes to us through the members of his body. Do you know that I hear from God, that God comes to me and speaks to me through his word, through his spirit, but also through his body? God connects with me through you. So our attitude toward the members of the body is really the attitude, our attitude toward God. Our attitude toward the members of his body. Now listen, I'm not just talking about church on the hill. I'm talking about people that really walk with Christ, that connect to the body. Our attitude toward each other is our attitude toward God. Can't fool a fooler. That was my George Bush. <laughs> In this connection of being willing to serve others, Paul makes a statement to the Corinthian Christians. And a little bit of background of Paul. Paul was brought up highly educated, very strict, orthodox Jew. In fact, he studied the type of righteousness that really separated himself from the people, almost from a high, a high and mighty place to looking down on, on others in a, low, in a very low way. But also, the Corinthian Christians, the Corinthian church, was, a, was, a, was, was positioned near a seaport town. And with that goes... All the stereotypes that you know, they were considered the scum of the earth. So look at the, keeping that in mind, look at this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. This is one of those statements that could just go right over your head, but he is talking to the Corinthians. This is coming from a guy who was incredibly religious and was tearing down Jesus' way. When God moved in Paul, God moved in him in such a tremendous way, softened his nature. And look what he says here. There's three key points to this scripture. He says, we do not preach ourselves. And what he is saying is, ourselves are not important. We are not important. Number one, he humbled himself and he is lowering himself to the people that he is about to preach to. And then in the place of lowering himself, he enthrones Christ, but Christ Jesus 
as Lord. Not ourselves, but Christ Jesus. And then finally says, and we are here to come as a bondservant, as a slave, to serve you, to serve the Corinthians for Jesus' sake. Now, I want to encourage you. You cannot serve the body without Jesus. You cannot do it on your own. Your flesh is too strong. Your desire for you is too strong. But the whole walk with Christ is dying to self. The whole walk with Christ is dying to yourself to serve others for Jesus' sake. I can serve you because Jesus is in me. And you can serve your fellow believer because Jesus is in you. This proud Pharisee saying, we're your slaves for the sake of Jesus. That is the pathway to breaking the bond of self-centeredness. As we step forward and realize that our, it's our call to serve, I want you to know that serving is a skill. It's something that you have to learn. And have you ever been to a restaurant where you had a good waiter? Have you ever been to a restaurant where you had a bad one? Do, have you ever noticed that great waiters, you can't always put your finger on why they're great, but you know it? What a bad waiter does is shows up when me and my wife are arguing and stays there. And you know, the God needs pop-up video. They need, he needs a little bubble to pop up above my head and see that I'm thinking, would you please go away? Can't you see something else is going on here? No, we're not ready to order. I do not want to order. But yet, there they stand. But have you ever noticed that if you have a great waiter, that that experience overtakes the taste of the food? I will return to a place of business to eat because of a great waiter more so than I will because of food, and I love food. But there is something about being treated and being served in a great way. Because you know what, I'll forget that meal I ate, but I won't forget how that person made me feel. Do you know that when someone walks in here for the first time, they're going to remember the reactions they get in the first four minutes more than they're going to re remember my message. Studies have shown you won't retain but maybe 5% of what the preacher says. That's a depressing statement. <laughs> but it's the truth. What you will remember is who talked to you and who didn't. And you'll remember that forever. You'll unfortunately label that person until some miracle happens and they break it. We remember those kind of things. That's why when a waiter really takes care of you, you'll go back and ask for them. And the food, for some reason, tastes better. Have you ever noticed a great meal tastes terrible when you're getting served terribly? It affects your whole body. We have that ability. We must be trained. Serving is a skill we have to acquire. Now, let me just talk just for a minute about me. I've only, been in two, I've only been members of two churches in my whole life. First Baptist Cookville was born in there and was there until I was 25. 
And at this time, this was all good First Baptist. And the Lord had started stirring in me to serve somewhere. So I tried. I went and got a part of this committee. I don't know if you know old school Baptist churches, but we got all kinds of committees. Try this committee. Try that committee. Committee on committees. Whatever that means. I never understood that. We don't have committees here, by the way. Praise God. We got free of that one. But uh, we got other issues. Just stick around. You'll, you'll find out. Yeah. Um, but I kept trying and kept trying and kept trying. And out of the blue, I had the pastor of this church whom I think I'd met one time in Chili's in the bar of all places. He wasn't drinking, but he liked to go in the bar and eat chips and eat his food. He was just out of the box. I loved him, one of my favorite people. But he called me and he said, this is Pastor Chris at All Good First Baptist and someone has recommended you to take over my sound department. And I'm like, well, I've never done sound before. I mean, I'm thinking, are you a quack? Nope, I feel like the Lord's telling me to call you to come over and take it. He's not calling and just saying, hey, will you come try to do sound? He's saying, take over the department. H who are you? I'm Pastor Chris at All Good First Baptist. Someone recommended me? Who recommended me? Well, I'm not gonna tell you. Oh, and if you knew me at 25, that was, that was it. I'm done. And I basically hung up on the guy. You're, you're weird. Well, I think the Lord's told me. Well, that's weird. Hang up. The Lord was stirring in me and I wound up coming. A couple weeks later, he called me back and said, Paul, I just feel like this is the Lord. And I said, okay. And I want you to know, I believe that it was, it was the willingness of, to serve that planted my feet directly onto the will of God for my life. I could not see it coming, but I moved. I had to move. I had to go and walk in here and it was Easter Sunday. I think I started Easter Sunday of all the times. And I knew nothing. I didn't know what trim meant and gain and feedback. I didn't, I didn't even know what feedback meant. I didn't know anything. So what did I have to do? I had to learn. And do you know, I, it wasn't moving the buttons back there that was the most important thing. It was the drama that was going on up here on stage. Anybody have musicians for family members? No, it's not just drummers. I wish. There's drama. Do you have drama in your home? I don't care where you go. It's not just musicians. But musicians have certainly got it. And all of a sudden, I realize I've stepped into hell. I am not kidding. There was a war going on, not only amongst the musicians, but between the musicians and the sound department. You hate me and you don't even know me. Well, I hate you too. We'll just hate each other. But I had to start developing a relationship. And if you knew me at that day, it really must have been God. My, my thoughts, exactly. It was God. It took God to do that. But I want you to know, someone called me to be in a place to serve and I'd never done it before. We're gonna ask you or someone next to you is gonna say, man, I think you'd be great at that. Try it. You have no idea what may happen in your life. What happens is you line up with God, maybe in the wrong format, but God says, okay, I can use you. Let's move you right there. I am telling you, God has got something new for you. 
He's got something awesome for you. But as we close today, I want you to know that being in the right environment is so important. It says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. But then he goes on to say in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, and this is, the, this is the passage that every preacher preaches. This is that one to make you feel guilty about going to church. Not forsaking the assembling together as it is habit of some, but encouraging one another and, as, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We are supposed to be together. I want you to know that those that are out on their own are the ones that the lion picks off. We must be together. The assembling together, it means that we have close, committed, regular fellowship in the environment that we can be trained to serve one another. Do you know when I had that divide between the sound booth and the, and the stage, I had to break that divide. I started spending more time on stage with them than I did back there because I wanted to hear what problems they had. I can't fix their problems unless I develop a relationship that they will tell them to me. All they're doing is yelling. Well, as soon as you're done yelling, tell me what's wrong. Okay, I don't know how to fix that, but I'll figure it out. When you come to church, you've got to get in a relationship so that all of a sudden, you don't even know what's happened. You just, out of your mouth, man, I'm struggling right here. Okay, I've got an answer. I've been through that before. I've been through that. Struggling in your marriage, struggling with your finances, struggling with your kids. All three, I've been there. I can help you. I can give you, I can give you scripture and I can give you steps to, step, to take. But you've got to stay, stay connected. But remember, I told you that I was going to refer back to verse 26. There is a disastrous alternative. It says, if we go on, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. That's verse 26. What's that saying? The truth that was mentioned in the scripture before, which was we must not consider self, but consider each other, love each other, in loving each other, serve one another, and make sure that we stay connected in the body of Christ. If we don't, the risk is you're going to go back to the way you were living. And what I mean is back to the way you were before you were saved. You are going to, the possibility of you falling off the wagon, off the righteousness following Christ wagon, back into the sin life is very great because you're not supposed to do it on your own. You are supposed to stay connected. God in his mercy and grace spoke to that pastor to call me, someone not even in their church, randomly to call me because a dear, dear friend of mine recommended me to do sound. I don't know why he did it. I still to this day, his, uh, it was Gary Allen. I don't know if anybody knows Gary. He's probably about 70 years old now and uh, just a great close family friend. changed my life I don't even know how these two knew each other I don't know how the pieces got put together but then to take a, a pastor who didn't know me and didn't know what baggage I came with good lord poor guy you know those of you that know me yeah I, I come with baggage 
uh, God's got a plan for you. And it's something that when I started to seek the Lord, the Lord made a way. And I couldn't see it coming, but I just had to start moving. With me and Elizabeth and the things that we've walked through, once we realized that where we were and we started seeking after God, God rescued us way better than we ever were before. This is just a few years ago. But the problem is we've got to move. We can't stay where we are. If you want to stay in the past, that's where you'll stay. Get out of the past. Get out of your funk. When you find yourself in hell, keep walking. And all it took, and I was in another church. I was not serving God. I was so lost. I was spirit-filled, saved, and lost. And all it took was me to just get on a committee. I'm like, I hate that. And they're like, oh, we hate you in it. (laughs) They didn't say that. But they graciously let me out. I'll try that. Okay, go try that. Well, that didn't work. I honestly did sound at First Baptist one Sunday. I was doing stuff with the TV. In fact, I was sitting next to the guy doing the TV stuff. And I'm like, well, I hate that. I'm not going to show up early to sit and watch someone else do it. And I did sound one Sunday and I basically blew it up. The, in fact, the worship leader referred to me in the sound booth. I'd never seen them ever do that. And I did something so bad that they referred to me right in the middle of service. Great, I love this. This is, this, this is my calling, God, way to go. I love that. <laughs> and, but it was out of, I believe it was just out of me trying. As dumb as I was trying, I was trying. God said, okay, that's enough. Here's the place I want you. Came as a shock to Elizabeth, came as a shock to my family. I spent all my days back there in that booth. Elizabeth kept coming. We had a six-month-old, Rita Marie. We came here when she was six months old. They thought Elizabeth was a single mother coming in here. And then she shows up pregnant. And then they're, they're ready to have a prayer time for her. Can we please pray for you? What's going on? Now you're pregnant. You've got this young child. And she's like, my, my husband's back there in the sound booth. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Who, who's your husband? Oh, I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. God's got a great plan for you. But you need to get moving. You need to go try something. If someone asks you to do something, as long as it doesn't break any boundaries within your relationships, say yes. And then allow God to move you around. God has got a great plan for you. He's got a great plan for you. And it is so much greater than what you can ever believe. Will you all stand up with me? I just want to pray for you. And I just want to ask you, just just take a moment and just try to clear your mind and just let, let, let the Lord speak to you. You may say, Pastor, I've never had the Lord speak to you. Well, today is the day. As you bow your heads, I just pray over you. Lord, I just ask you right now to move us around. Lord, I ask you to right now in every man and woman's mind and in their heart to drop an idea. You know, so many times as we walk, all all we need is an idea. And Lord, we ask for wisdom and for favor and for direction. 
And church, I want you to know that as I'm asking, and I'm asking for the Holy Spirit to speak to you, take note of these ideas that you're getting right now. Take note of these ideas that you're getting right now. It says, for those that will ask for the Holy Spirit, it says, it, uh, uh, if we ask the Father for, for something, will he not give it to us? Even if you ask your earthly father for a fish, would he give you a stone? How much more with our heavenly Father being so good will not give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? It also says that if we will ask for wisdom, he will give it. So right now as we ask the Lord for direction, he's going to give it. And you may not know the spirit of the Lord. You may not know the sound of his voice. But I want you to know these ideas that he's going to give you right now are from him. If you're asking, do you know Jesus? Is Jesus in your heart? Ask him to come into your heart right now. Come into my heart, Jesus. And Father, I just ask you for wisdom in what I'm, how I'm supposed to serve. And I also ask you, that as people come and approach you and suggest something, I want to encourage you, try it. You know, I told Pastor Chris, okay, I'll give you three months. And man, it was like fish to water. Move in our hearts, Lord. It is God's will for you to serve in his body. It is God's will for you to serve each other. He is gonna set you on a path that is the most amazing thing ever. Would you move? Move in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.